Now, today in the 21st century, we have a problem. We are quite comfortable with a God of love, peace and joy and kindness. In the movie Crocodile Dundee, Mick Dundee announces that me and God, we'd be mates. Jesus was a fisherman and I'm a fisherman. And if that's the limit of our vision of God, then may I suggest our vision and opinion of God is too small. Perhaps our God is too nice and too comfortable. Yet a problem seemingly remains, how on earth can a God of love, peace, gentleness, kindness and joy act like this against two of his dedicated servants? Is this not a God who is at odds with himself? The first thing we can say here about God is that while he is most assuredly a God of love, kindness, gentleness and peace, he is also a God of judgment, a God who judges. That is plainly evident from the passage. And we need to acknowledge him not only as a great lover, but also as a terrifying judge to behold. Not just a friend, but also a just judge. And the writer of the book of Hebrews reminds us that it is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God who is a consuming fire. Perhaps he had this passage in mind when he read it, when he wrote those words. Remember also that God always, always prefers obedience over sacrifice. We all have, I am sure, at some point, like to think of God as being all love and never judging. I certainly have. People say, it'll be alright in the end, because the love of God conquers all. Well, that love involves judging. The judgment of God, however, is unbiased. God shows no favouritism, and he is always just, and he is always right. It's a reflection of his mercy that nobody can claim that God is unfair. But God is not merely a God of mercy, peace and love. But also, as we have seen, he's a God who judges and administers justice impartially in accordance with his mercy, peace and love. And then fourthly, not only is he a God who judges, but he is also a God who has great wrath as part of his character. It's an essential, permanent and indelible part of his character. His wrath may be slow to burn, but it's still anger and wrath. The holiness of God requires that he punish sin through his wrath. What sort of God would he have been if he had not done what he did to Nadab and Abihu? What if he said, that's okay boys, you'll get it right next time. Kushti. Then he most certainly would be seen as a capricious, unjust, fickle and hostile monster of a God if you like. Now, I know it's not a popular, a popular subject in churches these days. Most churches mumble when it comes to passages like this from the Bible. And while most sections of our society need parts of the church, view God as a doddery, benevolent being up there in his rocking chair in the sky and mildly when people disobey him. But God is not a benevolent grandfather in the sky in a rocking chair. And neither is his anger or his wrath unwarranted, immoral, cruel, fickle, spiteful or capricious. 
God's wrath is always to administer and mete out a divine loving justice which corresponds to God's innate and essential characteristics and attributes of light, perfection and holiness. That's the picture given by all the Bible writers. When we speak of a perfect God in human terms, whether that is as a wrathful judge or a tremendous lover, it reflects our imperfect limitations of humanity. We were made in the image of God, not the other way around. And secondly, God's honour was at stake. He is both zealous and jealous for his own honour and his name. He said so. And he can only act within the confines of his own characteristics and attributes. And he must always, always work out of his immutable holiness. God, who was passionate about living in the centre of his people, and there was no way he could allow renegade priests to actively disobey him and defile the place where he was to live. Nadab and Abihu were punished because they worked in his immediate presence, as illustrated by verse 3. Among those who approach me I will show myself holy. In the sight of all the people I will be honoured. If God had not punished them, then that would have made God out to be a hypocrite, a liar, acting contrary to his own essential nature and he would be seen as a God who was impotent and seemingly having multiple personalities. This story illustrates that these two guys had to serve as an example, which is why we have the story. And then Nadab and his brother Abihu broke the guidelines given by God on how to enter into his presence. They took the wrong fire, went at the wrong time and were ill-prepared for such an occasion. They entered a place of God's holy presence in a sinful and actively disobedient state. People full of sin can never enter into a place where God resides because God is uniquely holy, sinless and is perfect without fault or defect. Nadab and Abihu chose for whatever reason, either intentionally or unintentionally, to break God's guidelines in how, where and when to offer a sacrifice. There is no indication, however, from the biblical text that they are eternally separated from God at their death, as in judgment of their sins, but rather it seems they were judged according to what they did with their abilities, talents and gifting as ministers and his servants. 